0: I'm Gary and this is episode 102 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. This season of EV Musings is sponsored by ZapMap. On the show today, we'll be taking an electric car on a 1000 kilometer road trip in a single day. Before we start, I wanted to remind you we now have a video out. It's a long video and it's not perfect by any means, but I went to the MFG Charging Hub in Putney recently and had a quick look around. The link to this video is in the show notes. Our main topic of discussion today is a road trip. Back in episode 22, podcast co-founder Simon and I took his BMW i3 on a 1,000km journey around the UK. The reason to do it was twofold. Firstly, we wanted to see what doing 1,000 kilometres or 600 miles in a single day was like. Answer, quite tiring even with brakes. And secondly, we wanted to know whether the charging infrastructure was up to dealing with charging a shorter range EV, about 120 miles, in a quick enough time. If you want to go back and listen to that episode, the link is in the show notes. But the long and the short of it is that we were successful in our quest. We didn't find a single charger that caused us an issue and it took around 17 hours to do the journey but that was almost three years ago. In the meantime, the range of available EVs has increased, the number and location of public chargers has increased, and the speed at which these chargers charge has increased. So I wanted to do a similar journey now, but looking at it from a slightly different point of view. When Simon and I did our journey, we pre-planned everything. We worked out the approximate mileage we'd need to do between charges. We found the nearest chargers to the maximum range, along with a plan B. You always have a plan B, right? and we stuck to a route that we knew had reasonably good charging infrastructure. In short, we stacked the odds in our favour. Lots of things would need to go wrong for the journey to be a failure. For those who don't recall, we went from Hitchin to Peterborough, up the A1 Pass Leeds to Sunderland, across the country to the Lake District, stopping in Kendal, down the M6 to Haydock, Birmingham, where we got stuck due to roadworks and closed routes, and down to Milton Keynes before heading back across to Hitchin. As I say, it took a good eh, 17, 18, 19 hours. For this journey we're going to do two things that are different. Firstly the intent is not to do any planning in advance. Once we've worked out where we're going we're just going to go and find chargers when we need them. If they work they work, if they don't we'll have to improvise. Secondly we're going to choose a route which goes through some of the charging wastelands. The aim is to validate exactly where a car with a reasonable range might have issues charging as well as to see if we can do it any quicker than we did with the i3. My co-driver for this journey will be Rob Shaw, he's been on the show already talking about his ID3 which is the car we'll be using and he's also got his own YouTube channel where he'll be producing a video on this particular journey so you can see and hear what went right and wrong. Our route will take us in a large circle across probably the widest chunk of the mainland of the United Kingdom. We started at Beaconsfield Services on the M40 heading across to Cardiff, up through the middle of Wales, across through Lancashire and Yorkshire stopping at our alma mater Huddersfield University, before looping down through the wastelands of Lincolnshire and Cambridgeshire and back across to Beaconsfield, 600 miles, 1,000 kilometres. Ideally we'll be looking to stop at some of the higher speed chargers that have been installed along the way and also trying to find newer locations where there are multiple chargers in one place. That's the plan anyway. If you're a fan of Norwegian vlogger Bjorn Nyland, Tesla Bjorn, you'll know that he puts all his EVs through a 1,000 kilometre challenge and this includes bigger battery ones such as the Tesla Long Range Model 3 and smaller ones such as the Corsa E. Each one has a different charging profile and each one takes a different time to do the journey. The main difference between his attempts and ours is that Norway has far more mature EV infrastructure than we do, and Bjorn knows the exact route to take to leverage the infrastructure and reduce the charging times. We're deliberately wanting to choose a route that could cause us charging issues just to see what the main problems could be. We're not aiming for a specific shortest time on this run. Hopefully we'll beat the I3 time though. And just a quick side note here. I had originally planned to leave my car at Beaconsfield Services for the day. However, having checked the parking signs, I would have had to pay around £30 for the length of time I would be parked up. A quick search on Parkopedia revealed that the council car park in Beaconsfield, 7 minutes drive away, would allow me to park the whole day for So That was the first place we stopped after leaving the services. So, how did we do? Well, our first leg took us via Beaconsfield Town Centre down and along the M4 to Cardiff, and I drove. There was no particular plan to decide where to charge, but as we got over the Severn Bridge, Rob pulled up that map. I asked him to search for any locations near Cardiff that were run by our main networks, these being Osprey Charging, InstaVault, and GridServe, that had two or more units at a location. There were several down in the centre of Cardiff itself, and this would, however, have meant heading a little bit further south than we wanted. Um, when we actually needed to be heading north. So we chose the Ballantines gym at Park Tiglas, which is just off the M4. Here's audio I recorded there. So this is the first stop. It's about 11 o'clock. We've been travelling for uh, about two, two and a quarter hours. Anyway, we're just outside Cardiff at the Ballantyne's health club on the Instavolts. At the moment, it looks as if we're pulling something in the region of have a look I've been here 10 minutes we've pulled seven kilowatt hours so we're doing quite well on that so we're doing about 42 43 kilowatt charging according to the uh, car at the moment Uh, the plan at the moment is to charge up to about 80 percent once we get to 80 percent we're just going to head off uh, north inland through Wales uh, without really a plan for charging other than we think with about 80 percent we're going to be able to get as far as we can without necessarily Uh, having any issues but um, you never know we're going to be hitting some hills so there's going to be some drain because of the uh, going up the hills although we may end up getting the regen going down the other side and hopefully the next time we make an entry it will be in uh, the area of sort of north wales mold chester uh, around that area so fingers crossed we knew we wanted to head north through Wales but we also knew we wanted to head further west to avoid the safety blanket of having charges just over the border in Hereford and Shrewsbury so we headed towards Merthyr Tydfil. The scenery in this part of the country is spectacular. Also of note was the state of the Welsh roads, pristine in many places with smooth flat tarmac. I understand this is a result of monies received from the European Union prior to Brexit. Very nice. We were slap bang in the middle of the Welsh Charger wasteland now. A quick look at ZAP map indicated, map that there is a route pretty much up the centre of Wales that seems to have sprouted a few rapid charges. It appeared to be something of a, well, almost a superhighway through the middle of Wales. Genie Point in Ebervale and Brecon, BP Pulse in Thlandry wells and a Pod Point in Tesco Newtown. The issue with these chargers was that they were all single unit locations. One fifty kilowatt charger at a site. Obviously, this is ideal if you're driving something like an I3 and need to charge that to get through the hilly areas in central Wales. But if these units are blocked, broken or in use, this could cause a problem. They're also not run by our preferred networks, Osprey Charging InstaVault and GridServe, where we knew reliability was higher. For That reason we elected to find the first charge with more than one unit at a location. We knew this would give us a better chance of getting a charge if one unit had an issue. And this turned out to be the InstaVolt in Oswestry, two units in the central car park but we also realised we could actually skip this one and travel up the road to the McDonald's in Chirk where another two Instavolt units were located and have lunch at the same time. So that's what we did. So the second stop is um, at a McDonald's in Chirk which is um, about 10 miles north of Oswestry in Wales. And it's been quite interesting because we've been getting some reasonably good efficiency on the vehicle from at Cardiff, but that's because we've had uh, quite low average speeds. Uh, We've got some 50 mile an hour zones. We've been following uh, caravans, slow moving vehicles. We were behind a horse box for quite a while. But on top of that, uh, it's quite hilly. We did have one interesting situation where at the top of the hill, we had a hundred miles. We went down the hill, um, had 102 miles. And then for some reason, uh, I don't know whether it recalculated on the GOM, but about five miles later, we had 109 miles. Anyway, we're at the Instavolt at Chert. We're probably gonna be here for about 30 minutes. Um, I'm a little concerned that it's um, three in the afternoon. So we've been going seven hours and we're nowhere near halfway through, uh, which is uh, something of a concern, but uh, it should be a little bit better once we get onto the motorways at the top end of Wales and uh, across that side. Uh, looking forward to the next stop. As a side note, one of the things I learned doing a trip like this with a YouTuber is the amount of faffing around you need to do with kit. Rob had GoPro-like cameras, his phone, wireless microphones, swappable lenses, battery banks, connecting cables and flashcards, all of which needed locating, swapping, updating, uh, using, recharging and connecting throughout the day. At one point on the way to Cherk, I found myself holding a fully extended monopod with a 360-degree camera attached to the top of it, vertically out of the side window of the car for about five miles, as we recorded some spectacular footage of the Welsh countryside. Certainly got some interesting looks. As we left Chirk, we then had the issue of where to go next. We knew we were ultimately going to end up in Huddersfield. We're both Huddersfield boys and we both went to the university there, though not at the same time. We also knew we needed to end up over at the far side of the country to go down the charging wastelands of Lincolnshire and Cambridgeshire. So we cut along the M1, M18 and down the A1. And this is where we hit our first major decision point regarding charging. Using our criteria of two or more units at a location to ensure availability, the number of charges in that part of the world drops down to a couple on the A1 southbound or an instavolt at Boston. The problem was we couldn't get to the instavolt at Boston because we were now running low on charge. Bear in mind we've been driving for three and a half hours at this point since our last charge in Cherk way over the other side of the country. So we made a decision to stop at Grantham services, then dive eastwards through Lincolnshire towards Cambridgeshire. So, Grantham services. I'll let the audio tell you the story. Well, we're looking about half past seven at night now, and the car is currently stationary in Grantham. We've been pretty much on the go since we left Chirk in North Wales or Almost North Wales, went all the way across the M62, the Pennines, uh, dropped in at Huddersfield. Boys in the hood took a quick photo. That'll be out on um, on Twitter if you want to search that on the uh, using ZV Twitter account. And now we wanted initially to head over as far as we could east uh, out Lincoln Way, uh, maybe Boston around there. But a quick peruse of ZapMap at that point indicated that we really weren't going to be able to do that and find a suitable charger. There are a number of um, 7 kilowatt ones in that area, unfortunately 7 kilowatts not going to cut it for us. We arrived at Grantham with uh, 4% and something like 15 miles left on the uh, on the GOM, which was a teeny weeny bit um, of a, uh, a bomb squeaker, as the phrase goes. And the problem that we've had, despite driving past uh, a bank of about 12 Tesla superchargers, six of which appear to be fully uh, occupied, when we got to the grid serve chargers that were here, there were two of them. One of them is out of order and one of them is working, but even at the rate that we were at with uh, a very low state of charge, we were only getting about 45 kilowatts, which is very disappointing. This should... with With a warm battery and 15 miles left, we should probably be well up around 80, 90, maybe even 100 kilowatt charging uh, with that. So that's a little bit disappointed. But what's more disappointed is that um, the brand new GridServe chargers, only one of the two, is working. Uh, Luckily, it happens to be the one with the CHAdeMO, which is not important for us, but for uh, other people who are used to CHAdeMO. Uh, from GridServe or from the electric highway, uh, it's good to see that there will be a charger available Unfortunately, we're going to be on here for the another I don't know, half an hour uh, charging up to about 80% um, So that is going to take that charger out for at least 30-35 minutes, which is a bit unfortunate, but that's the way it goes So hopefully by the time we've done this particular uh, charge, we should be uh, ready to go home uh, So Rob, how do you think he's gone so far?
1: Um, I think it's gone better than I thought. I, I thought we would be having to stop more for um, more for charging, but the car has been great. It, it's really made a difference having the bigger battery. I know when you did it previously in, in the i three with um, Simon, you were having to stop more, so I was kind of pleased. I was I was really hoping we could do it in three charges, but I, I don't think I'm not thinking that's a realistic thing. I, I think we're going to need a, a fourth one just to top up. Um, Later on had
0: we planned this more in advance and done a lot more driving between the charging, so i mean we've we've got at 40, charged at forty percent, we charge at twenty percent, only now have we actually gone down to a really low steady charge. do you think if we'd have thought about it in advance, we could have done it with three charges
1: yeah, um, obviously charge availability may have been an issue with that, but yeah, I, I think three charges would have been would have been perfectly um, achievable, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, so hopefully this is gonna be the last one. Uh, this will get us all the way home. I think we've got, can you just pull the figures up for me? How, how far have we gone? So we've done 442 miles. So we've got about a, another 160 to go to get us to our 600 miles, which is thousand kilometers. And hopefully that will be somewhere around Beaconsfield. So we'll speak to you then. Cheers. To be honest, I was a little disappointed in the Grantham Charger setup. These are new units, and there were 16 Tesla superchargers nearby, of which only six were being used. So there was obviously power to the site, and yet the power we were getting to the one working charger was virtually the same as that from a 50 kilowatt volt charger we'd used in rural Welsh Wales. With the state of charge and battery temperature we arrived at, we should have been getting upwards of 70 or 80 kilowatts rather than 45 kilowatts. Because we arrived with such a low state of charge, we were at this charger for a lot longer than we anticipated, almost an hour. With the charge speed we were supposed to be getting, we would have been out of there at least 15 or 20 minutes earlier. The final stretch was a run down to Beaconsfield. No problems, nice and easy. We arrived in Beaconsfield three hours later with 10% state of charge. So despite Rob thinking we might need another stop, he managed to do it easily. So that was the trip. Let me give you some stats about the overall journey. We drove for 13 and a half hours total and covered 604 miles, approximately 1,000 kilometres. We were stationary for two and a quarter hours. This included charging, parking my car, transferring kit and supplies and stopping at Huddersfield for photos. We made three charging stops. In total we took on 99.6 kilowatt hours of power and the car indicated an average of 4 miles per kilowatt hour efficiency. Our two instavolt charges cost £22.50 and the grid charge cost £13.47 for a grand total charging cost from departure of just under £36. That works out at about 6 pence a mile using only public charging. As a comparison, a fossil fuel car getting 35 miles to the gallon at a price of £1.35 per liter would have cost a little under 106 pounds or 17 pence per mile. A diesel getting 60 miles per gallon with a cost of £1.40 per gallon would have cost 64 pounds or 10 and a half pence a mile. Incidentally, the similar length journey in the I3 cost 51 pounds for approximately 166 kilowatt hours because we made more stops and charged for longer to get there. We also had a longer range in the ID3, which meant we covered a longer distance before our first stop and needed to charge for fewer additional kilowatt hours overall to cover the same distance. So here's what we learned. Firstly, the infrastructure problems are aggravated by problems with certain charge point operators not keeping their units available. We've always known that there are charging wastelands in the areas such as Mid Wales and Eastern England. A lot of these issues are aggravated by the fact that when units are installed, they're either single units, such as the new pod point in Newtown, or they're not working, or have issues, such as the BP Pulse unit in Llandrindod Wells, which had the following comment on Zapmap Quote, 50 kilowatts, couldn't connect it to eTron, so had to use 43 kilowatt charge, which only worked at 11 kilowatts. All only worked via the app, terrible experience, close quotes. That was one reason we elected to use the more reliable charging networks, such as Osprey Charging or Instavolt. Although it has to be said due to timing issues, we were never near an off charger when we needed to charge. Secondly, having a car with a moderate range of about 220 miles certainly helped. Being able to travel for a good three hours without having to worry about range was certainly a benefit when traversing the charging wastelands. With a smaller range model, the driver would have had to contend with the slightly uneasy feeling of having to use one of the single unit locations already mentioned. If they're available and working, fine. Otherwise, you might find yourself sitting on an AC charge for several hours, topping up enough to move to the next location. Although again, in central Wales, there appear to be precious few of these. Thirdly, the charging wastelands are not quite as bad as we we originally thought. Sure, there are whole areas that just don't have charges there. Someone on Twitter also pointed out areas such as Dartmoor. But as we've already identified before on this podcast, it's not that easy to pipe out a huge amount of high-powered electricity across the middle of a wilderness such as Dartmoor. The costs associated with it are just not worth it. But even over the last few months, there now appears to be a steady number of charge points being installed in the route up the middle of Wales from Brecon through Merthyr and Newtown to Oswestry. Sure, they're single 50 kilowatt charges and some of the operators are not as reliable as we might like, but it's a start and it's better than nothing. The east of the country, Lincolnshire, etc, seems to be slightly less well served. That was definitely the area where we had to make specific decisions while deciding on charges. If you discount the A1, which is quite well served, between the A1 and the coast, the number of rapids is not great until you get to places such as Norwich. Yes, they do exist, but the gaps between them are more noticeable than, say, somewhere like Birmingham and West Midlands. Again, the rationale for this is cost-benefit. Charging companies are not going to spend a lot of money putting infrastructure here without getting a good return on their investment. With EVs currently a small percentage of cars on the roads, they're going to focus on the areas where the most drivers live. Osprey Charging recently announced the rollout of new 150 or 170 kilowatt charging hubs across the country. The first 10 have been announced and one of those will be on the A14 in Suffolk. Not perfect for this area, but certainly better than nothing. Ironically, a quick glance at a map of fossil fuel stations in the area indicates virtually the same wasteland exists for them too. The same in central Wales. Many thanks to Rob Shaw from RS Thinks for agreeing to do this trip with me. He's r 5 Haw on Twitter, and I've linked to his YouTube channel in the show notes. His video of the trip should be up at the same time this episode goes out, so please make sure to check that out if you can. You might also see a video of his where I talk about my impressions of the ID3 in general as a car. More on that in an upcoming episode where I discuss the latest status on my search for an EV to replace the Kia Soul when the lease expires. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with you, listeners. Rolls-Royce's electric airplane completes its maiden flight in the UK. Rolls-Royce the engine maker not the car maker which is now owned by some German car company has announced that their first electric plane spirit of innovation has completed its maiden flight at Boscombe Down Airfield in the UK with a 15 minute journey. Plane which looks a lot like one of those Red Bull air race planes with a long long nose and a small bubble cockpit has a 400 kilowatt engine and is designed to compete for the airspeed record In an electric plane and it hopes it can beat that by flying at upwards of 300 miles an hour. The plane itself won't go into production and it's just been used for the world record attempt but the underlying technology will be ported to passenger planes with examples planned for entrance services in 2026. Great work from Rolls-Royce. This season of the EV Musings podcast is sponsored by Zapmap. Zapmap is the go-to app for EV drivers in the UK. Use it to search for available chargers, plan electric journeys, pay for charging on participating networks, and share updates with other EV drivers. ZapMap is free to download and use, with subscription plans for enhanced features such as using ZapPay in car, on CarPlay, or Android Auto. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at musingzv. If you want to support the podcast and newsletter, please consider contributing to becoming an EV Musings patron. The link is in the show notes. Don't want to sign up for something on a monthly basis? If you enjoy this episode, why not buy me a coffee? Go to kofi.com/evmusings. That k-o-f-i dot com/slash-evmusings, and you can do just that. It takes Apple Pay too. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called "So You've Gone Electric." It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. At the moment, it's free on Kindle Unlimited or if you're in the Kindle Lending Library. Please check it out. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review, preferably five stars, as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. Thanks to everybody who's done that recently. If you've reached this part of the podcast and are still listening, thank you. Why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at Musings EV with the words McDonald's Chirk. Hashtag if you know you know. Nothing else. Thanks as always to my co-founder Simon. You know last year he went on a seriously long lunch with friends prior to starting a fasting regime. A whole week on water and vitamin supplements. He's a big fan of Cornish pasties and originally thought he could start his fasting with a brace of three of them. After eating two he changed his mind.
1: I'm not thinking that's a realistic thing. I think we're going to need a a fourth one just to top up. Thanks for listening. Bye.